Welcome to the Argus Hydrogen and Future Fuels podcast. My name is Tim, and today I'm joined by Vikram Anandan, uh, the manager of Sujan Met. Welcome. Hi, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to see you in person again. So, we're here today to talk about pyrolysis. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Obviously, it was great to meet you the first time. I wanted to have a conversation with you since on the podcast, so thank you for coming in. And this is the first uh, face-to-face podcast we've done before, so this is uh, an inaugural one. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about what you or your company is doing in this space. Okay. So, Synergen Met um, owns the proprietary um, um, information on uh, methane pyrolysis. So they've been developing methane pyrolysis now for a number of years for different applications. And over the years, uh, we've realized that we're producing an essential uh, commodity here, which is hydrogen. And we're you know, producing it in the absence of CO2. So our system has no oxygen in there and we produce carbon black. But more importantly, um, it's um, our approach to decarbonizing the industry. So Synergen Met's view is that uh, we use opportunities um, you know, where there is methane as feedstock and help companies um, um, define their pathway towards decarbonizing the yes. industry. And, and we're using this application, so we're designing this application with um, the intent to have it modular and scalable, uh, but also fitting into existing infrastructure, which is really important to us. So let's let's dial back a little bit and get back to pyrolysis. So everyone understands green hydrogen, the electrolytic route, well mm-hmm. understood. Um, the blue uh, hydrogen, whether that's um, steam methane reformation or autothermal reformation, um, both of these um, production paths have had lots of airtime. Pyrolysis to many is something more of a mystery. So this is about the decomposition of methane into um, hydrogen and solid part carbon. There are three ways of getting there. There's, there's, there's catalytic, there's yep. thermal, and there's plasma. plasma thank you. Um, can you break each of those down for me from a very high level? Okay. Uh, well, I can talk to you about the approach that we take, which is um, plasma. So we, we use um, you know, methane and we feed it through a plasma system. And essentially the plasma system you know, uses the fourth matter, which is um, ionization. So it's ionizing the uh, methane gas that runs through it. And um, so you know, it runs through, um, just to paint you a picture, we've got a plasma torch, okay, which is relatively the size of my arm, about 300 wide. And we run the, the methane through a specific point and it hits the um, centre of the arc that's been you know, um, formed. And the temperature at the centre gets pretty high. But overall, you know, on, the ex- on the exterior is about you know, 1,500, but it can reach up to 10,000 degrees. And what that does, is, in essence, is breaks down the CH4 into carbon black and hydrogen. And the system itself is, um, you know, we're able to start and stop the system off because it's got a feed point. So it's not like, you know, um, it's a system where it takes a latent time to start up and start down. So it's, you know, very much in that way, directly applicable. And uh, so the system itself, you know, just breaks down the, the methane into its uh, core elements. Very cool. But, um... you know, it's also the important thing to notice <laughs> is that there is no oxygen in the system. So yes. with the absence of oxygen, um, you know, we were able to produce carbon black. Sorry, as an 80s child, I was grinning like a, uh, a kid, uh, just at the word plasma, uh, very exciting. So from the perspective of technologies, this is, I'm not going to say old school, um, I think this is the route that Acre took in the beginning, the plasma route, yeah. monolith, which yeah. everyone knows uh, in the States, um, Gazprom's toying with it. Um, and so th- that's that's the route that you're taking. So can I ask... Um, what is special about your technology route? Is there is there some magic sauce? Is there some sort of updates that have happened? And I don't want you to go too 
Two in depth, obviously. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, the, the, the magic happens is in know-how. So we've got an excellent team working both in Australia and in America. And um, we've done a lot of work with the University of Queensland to refine the process. So the, um, the, the know-how is in the application itself. And I think that's what, you know, really puts us, really the forefront is that we are, you know, commercially ready. Um, and we have, you know, trials and pilot plants in place. Um, and, you know, we're really focusing on scalability once we understand what the sector or the industry is, you know, looking at the quantity use of hydrogen. So, you know, for us, it's not as much as hydrogen production per se as um, opposed to decarbonizing. So we're really trying to take the, um, you know, CO2 gas and, you know, put it into solid black. And that's, that's a, that's a very thing, a specific thing to you. So, um, one of the things I always talk about is the, um, the shape of the cost curve. Obviously, the volume is dominated by, um, blue and green hydrogen, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I often talk about, or I also speak to people in the industry who are developing, um, hydrogen production, and a lot of the low cost routes are by biogenic routes and other ways as well, but smaller volumes. Um, you're not coming at this from a hydrogen production, um, uh, standpoint, I suppose. Is that fair? Because you're looking at the carbon black, aren't you? And you're looking at decarbonizing um, sure. production. I can talk about the, the carbon black a little bit later on once we get mm. to that, that stage. But, you know, our applications right now aren't for high, large-scale hydrogen production. Um, you know, we at Synergy Med don't believe the industry is there for, high, for large-scale export. The infrastructure is certainly not there in place yet. Um, so in the interim, the company's um, you know, vision is to decarbonize hard to abate sectors and we have a lot of them in australia um, especially with you know the carbon uh, sorry the um, csg industry yes yeah you know methane is is, is one of our primary resources so you know um, we, we focus on those sort of opportunities we're also building global opportunities as well so you this is this is partly then this is real politic because you are you are coming looking to come to market now and obviously a lot of the things that we're talking about are geared towards not 2030 necessarily, but 2027 8, yeah. um, which is obviously further data. And you're looking, just, just to be clear, at helping um, companies looking at their 2030 ESG goals and decarbonizing operations. Is, that's right, that's there. right. So, you know, um, as many, you know, many countries in the world, they're all establishing their own hydrogen strategy and their pathway in terms of their CO2 emissions going forward. Um, you know, various states in Australia, well, it was, they start from 2030 and then come down. I think ACT is probably 2027. Um, in terms of what they want to achieve. Um, and we are seeing the results that they're, they're aspiring to um, reaching 2027 in the economics um, where we are right now. So it's, it's, I'm glad to, to, you know, to be able to discuss the, you know, the, the economics and, um, you know, what we project, you know, in terms of carbon cost of hydrogen, because it will be extremely competitive. And with time as well as, you know, the usual economic side does get, you know, more competitive as well. Um, so we're not we're not really in in this to compete directly um, with the other types of of hydrogen production. And you know, even I was talking to you before about this, Tim. You know, the the biggest takeaway I took away from um, the hydrogen summit in, in Rotterdam was that it's really important to have the view where we are, you know, color agnostic. It's important to see how is it that we can abate the sector, how is it that we can, you know, um, lower our CO2 emissions with whichever technology is available. And that is Synergy's approach as well. It's a technology that's available, that's ready. Um, and it can be fitted into the existing infrastructure. Mm. The um, the footprint, so the, you know, the, the carbon footprint that we occupy as well uh, is you know much less than you know setting up an electrolyzer plant around. So immediately, if you were you know a gas entity, um, you know, you're looking to to uh, lower your CO2 emissions. This is a perfect fit because um, immediately of the coffee, you've got CO, CH4 as your um, feedstock. 
and you're reducing your CO2 emissions. Yep. Or instead of venting, I mean, mining companies are, you know, particularly interested in this because instead of flaring or venting yeah. their methane. I've been speaking they, to a few about this yeah, in Australia as yeah, well. Um, so you're talking about the thermal, but also particularly the met coal side of things as well. Absolutely. They're looking at their emissions and going, ha, scope one and two, what can I do here? Yeah. And you, these are the, the type of applications you're particularly thinking of. That's right. And, you know, we're refining exactly how is that we are producing these units so that it works in the favor of an operator for it to be in situ as well. So, you know, it's, it, it has to be, you know, highly modularized, scalable, um, and replicable as well. Yeah. That's where also the cost curves come down. It's really interesting. So, uh, actually, before, <laughs> before we have the, had this conversation, I always had the consideration in the back of my mind. Why choose pyrolysis over SMR or ATR? To your mind, actually, you're not looking at this as a, as, as a dust-up necessarily. You're looking at this as rather complementary. Um, you're just drawing a distinction at, at this point of the evolution of the market between um, sort of uh, national-level markets in in nation versus export um, export opportunities. I believe so. It doesn't it doesn't help the the industry for you know proponents to come forward and start you know competing in the sense where one is more favourable versus the other. I think it needs to be a collection, it has to be a portfolio of, you know, how we decarbonize the, the sector. Um, I, I don't think um, that there is one versus the other, one's better than the other. Uh, we sure have to look at the economics, especially mm. from an investment perspective. But then again, how long is your return? You know, I mean, electrolyzers favor long-term CapEx investment. Uh, but if you've got a, 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 an existing plant that needs um, uh, to meet its targets, then this fits in, um, you know, seamlessly. Well, I suppose... Um yeah, I think you're quite right. Um, I think the first year or two that I spent looking at hydrogen, it was um, listening to a series of bolder and bolder claims over the lowest cost of production. And so there's there's a limited road in going down that. Um, but there is something very specific in carbon intensity. Um, and it's absolutely preaching to the choir here about uh, getting away from the, from the colours. Um, but the carbon intensity of production is crucial. Uh, and I wanted to just... Focus a little bit just on, I suppose, with the pyrolysis route, you're actually looking at a mass balance where you, you come out and say, these are my inputs, these are my outputs. Um, this is tangible um, and, I suppose, visual in a way um, and directly measurable. And that is something which people are very interested in uh, because carbon capture and storage, it's been around for a while, as has pyrolysis, um, but... Uh, there is some scepticism uh, around it in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people are looking at pyrolysis and thinking uh, that that's something where I can actually weigh the carbon at the end. And so from that perspective, a lot of scepticism may be evaporated. No, the, the sentiment that we're, that we're, um, that I'm gauging from good discussions is, okay, you know, we're, we're opening up now a first generation market of carbon black. Um, what does this market represent? Um, you know, what is the future growth of the market? There are concerns that, you know, producing that much of carbon black is going to collapse um, the carbon uh, carbon sector. That's and, not And this matters to you because of your business model. And I know this because of the right. conversation we've That's had. Right. So you want to explain very briefly what your business model is? Because you're not actually producing hydrogen per se. Um, you're more technology so we, process licensing or something that's like that. right so we, you know we run off different commercial models um, our prim- primary objective is to work as a joint venture partner with operators and that offers two things that offers one you know um, confident sentiment that you know we are partnering with the um, the entity uh, to um, reduce their carbon emissions and two is giving us a pain uh, gains and um, sort of involvement in the whole process 
Um, so that is our um, approach. Um, you know, we would also, you know, offer licensing options too, uh, but that is still yet to be determined going long term and what the production scales and the volumes are looking like. Like I told you before, you know, um, the hydrogen production the volumes per day is still relatively unknown from companies. It depends on the applications. Um, a lot of the remote um, operators are looking at producing you know, hydrogen for mobility, but still that infrastructure is not in play yet. So, you know, what is the volumes of hydrogen that they require per day? Are we looking at a ton of hydrogen? Are we looking at four tons? So, you know, from that perspective, we need to keep in mind that we need to scale it for the various application, but also have a long-term view is, okay, you know, what is that sort of range we're looking at? And what do the economics look like in, in that going forward? And what's very important is understanding the quality of carbon that we're producing. So dialing back, the hydrogen, the quality of hydrogen that we're producing is 99%, 99.99% pure grade one fuel, uh, fuel cell um, quality. So there itself, you know, we can utilize the hydrogen for mobility, for light vehicles, heavy vehicles, depending on the, on the utilization for it. Um, but the questions that are coming from, from more specifically from hydrogen is, okay, you know, how long can we store it? And what is the quality of, of, of hydrogen? Yes. Then, of course, this next part of it is the carbon black. So we are producing, you know, by, by uh, molecular weight, three times more than what we're producing hydrogen. So, you know, assuming that we're producing just under four tons of, of carbon black per day, what is the application for it? Depending geographically where you're located, mm -hmm. like in South Africa, there's, a, there's an emerging market there and they use it for, you know, multiple applications. But, you know, when I look into, okay, what is that first generation market? What is that looking like? And we're suddenly tapping into now a 15% um, market cap of the price of carbon uh, graphene, and what does that price look like? And we, you know, we're looking around about ten to ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars per ton. To give you a bit of perspective, the carbon black right now is probably sitting at three hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars a ton. Mm. So there's a significant you know leap forward in terms of price that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Now this comes back to okay, what is the, the the grade of carbon that you're producing? So carbon is typically grade from one to I think it's nine or ten. Um, but now, okay, that nine to ten range is suddenly hitting into a graphene market, mm. and we're, you know, I'm getting, um, you know, interest from semiconductor sector, from lithium-ion batteries, more so in Korea, Southeast um, Asia, um, in the Americas as well. America more, more, more notably in solar panel production as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's an emerging market. It's growing. Um, and you know the the, sector, the the market won't grow without understanding what the volumes being produced per day are too. Yeah. So you know, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the chicken and the egg, but I think you know if one is um, sort of put forward and developed sufficiently enough, the you know the sector does follow suit. Yeah. And I think so. The actual carbon black market's around 14 million tons a year. And obviously, you said, yeah. yeah, something like something like Powerless is coming on a scale, which is actually not what you're looking to do here. You're looking to do things uh, specifically within firm system boundaries to help them hit scope one and two uh, targets. Um, but obviously, if uh, if you're successful in getting your technology out there or, or other uh, Powerless um, uh, process route people, then obviously that's going to put great, great pressure on the carbon black market. But you're saying actually <laughs> to expand beyond the market because well, it's, of it's the quality, quality. It's the quality yes. of carbon that we're producing. So you know, it's not just the carbon black that's used for you know tire production, pigment dyes, and cement yes. making. It's it's a higher quality, uh, you know, almost comparable or thirty times stronger than structural steel. So you know, if we um, you know get the, the right type of carbon into a nano form, it's um, you know working on the scale. 
One question I wanted to get to really quickly was, um, yeah, we talked about the, you know, the methane going in, talked about the process itself, specifically um, carbon emissions. What amount of carbon emissions does your process route produce? So within the system itself, it, it depends on how we're powering up the, the unit. So um, on, on the provision that it is completely green and we're using solar and wind um, production, then the volumes are zero because there's no carbon intensity in there. Um, if we're purchasing electricity, then of course... Sorry, just, just to be clear, zero. So <laughs> look at the mass balance of it. At the end, you can account for everything. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, cycle, we recycle it back into the system. So any sort of carbon that we are producing or... Uh, well, we're not producing CO2, right? But we're you know, pro uh, producing very small volumes of, of nitrogen. But that gets recycled in the system. Yes. But in essence, to be clear, it's zero CO2. You can, we've talked about the quality of the hydrogen. Mm -hmm. You've talked about the quality of the carbon, and that's obviously integral to your business model. Mm -hmm. I'm only interested in the hydrogen. <laughs> sure, of course. of course, I'm interested in the carbon. I want to see a space well, elevator. It's a very important part to you know, methane hydrolysis because yes. what the carbon black offers is a credit to the price of hydrogen. So if we want to get extremely cost competitive, the carbon market is an, it's, it's an important factor yes, to course. You have operating units. You say your technology readiness level, this isn't pie in the sky, and it's not theoretical. No. You are producing yep. hydrogen and carbon black at the moment using this route. And I remember reading, you were doing something in Botswana, aren't you? With That's right. Someone. So <laughs> yeah, we are, we're working with Talao, Talao Energy, and we you know, have a heads of agreement signed, so binding heads of agreement signed. So we're currently right now producing a, um, a 100 kilowatt system that produces 135 uh, kilograms of, of um, hydrogen per day. And we expect to have this landed in, in Botswana by early Q1 next year. So, And the system we're discussing as well, it's, it's, uh, it's skid mounted. Um, what are we saying? Uh, 40 foot container size? Yeah, so the whole, foot? the whole system fits in a 40 foot container, uh, which is what, 12.3 by 3 meters by 4, I dare say. Yeah. Um, and it fits into a container. And, um, you know, we, we do all the, the acceptance testing in Brisbane itself. So we have a hydrogen testing facility um, in Brisbane, and um, we, we do all the assembly there. Our plasma, we own a company in, in America, um, that's Phoenix Solutions, and they produce our plasma systems. Yeah. And uh, so we bring that and we assemble it and we send it out. All the testing is done in, in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, well, I want to come back to the original question, which is how the economics compare between, let's say, SMR and CCS. Okay. And turquoise hydrogen. Okay. So between between the two, off the cuff, you're looking at a, a, a difference in the capex. So with this um, steam methane reforming, your capex is significantly higher. Um, and as well as you're also introducing systems of trying to purify the, um, the methane going, going into the system as well. Um, and now with CCS, the, the, the economics behind, okay, what is the storage cost and what is the transportation and underground storage cost is still relatively unknown. Um, there's been a lot of work being done in the sector, and I think it'll only get better over time, so they'll have a better appreciation of what CCS capturing is, is all about. Um, whereas if you look at um, methane processes, and we've got carbon black. So the carbon black is in solid state, and you know there is, in the absence of finding a suitable market for it, there is um, you know um, studies right now looking into you know sequestering it into the ground and occupying a less um, a smaller scale footprint versus you know CCS. Understood. And I think the I think I think. Um, 
the the sentiment from the industry will be better to you know somewhat submerge carbon black versus you know CO2 in its gaseous state um, because there is still the concern of you know leaking and bleeding to the system over a period of year. What's the cost of production on a per kilogram basis, and not Aussie dollars, yeah. <laughs> US dollars, if you please? Um, yeah, how would how would you see that? Because I want I want people to have a sort of a feel for you know what, what level we're we're looking at here. Okay, so for you, I've done most of it in, in Australian dollars, but to give you a bit of perspective in US dollars, we're looking um, per kilogram um, less than seven dollars a kilo. Okay, and is that taking into account the Carbon black. No, it's not. Off date. So that's no, it's not. So you're actually looking at a lower level than that. We're looking at a lower level than that, and that is what we're trying to ascertain right now. Is okay. What is the value that we can get from carbon black? Because we we have a price indicative, you know, which is you know between ten thousand to fifteen thousand mm. dollars. But we need to also realize what is that value too. So I wanted to ask. I know you've just come back from the World Hydrogen Conference, um, which is it was Rotterdam, wasn't it? It was in Rotterdam, actually, yeah. in the Netherlands. I don't know. If- well, let me ask about what the sentiment in the overall industry towards general hydrogen is. Um, it, that's a big conference. There's a lot of people stalking around. Um, what was the sentiment like towards what you are talking about today at the pyrolysis side? Um, overall sentiment from uh, from the, the summit in, in Rotterdam was, um, was really interesting to see how a lot of companies, a lot of sectors, sorry, a lot of the industry um, participants are becoming color agnostic towards hydrogen. So they're realizing that there needs to be a balance in the mix. It's not a singular approach towards electrolysis. The intent is for it to be green. So certification, origination is really important. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking at the various color schemes, because you know, I think it's more of a distraction than, and it creates, it's, it's it suddenly arises for a debate which doesn't really result in a, in a fruitful conversation. So that's interesting from that perspective. I think in terms of the system boundary, what's going in, there, there, there are the questions about what's happening upstream uh, with methane emissions and they have to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of yeah, uh, scope one and two production, that would actually fit you within um, our taxonomy, the, the zero carbon uh, side of things, if there's zero carbon at point of production. What, what was notable in, in, in Rotterdam was the amount of support provided by the government. So even the port of Rotterdam is a brilliant showcase example of you know what the future would look like mm. in terms of renewable energies, you know, providing energy to a, a, a size of the port of Rotterdam. Um, and, to, and to give you a bit of scale, it's it's um, um, the size of uh, the port of Rotterdam is probably about almost ten times bigger than Singapore's port. Yeah, which is a world scale port as well. Just to be yeah, clear. <laughs> yeah, which is really, but it just gives you that that you know yeah. that um, understanding and appreciation for you know what is at play here. Yeah, um, so uh, it's, a, it's a good point as well because I think one of the dangers of uh, when you get a lot of hydrogen people in one room together, it's not a hydrogen singularity. Mm-hmm. The, the danger is more belly gazing, um, you know, because it, 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 it's a group of people interested in the same things. And I suppose that what most people are interested in are two things, um, well, actually maybe one thing. Uh, this is a policy response to I need to drive carbon down now, mm-hmm. not at 2030, not at 2040. I know that those are where ESG targets sit, the investments have to be made now, and people are looking at the practical ways that they can take down their scope one and two emissions in the very near term. Um, and so I think that's a good way of looking at it. Absolutely, this. and how, how energy policies are being shaped as well. Yes. Um, 
So that, that going forward is definitely going to, um, you know, um, introduce um, some good obstacles for us to, to work on and, you know, using policies to uh, sort of redefine how is it that we are, um, you know, decarbonizing the sector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other side as well, of course, is that the economics of it are something of a distraction. Um, if all we talk about is the, is the cost of production um, and, and how low we can get it, that actually delays investment decisions to a certain degree. It does. It does. And, you know, different companies have different investor sentiment too. Those who are probably have more of a, a pioneering spirit. Yeah. We'll see the long scale application of this and invest early. Um, I mean, if companies are not investing now, they're too late. Um, you know, I mean, the investment should be made yesterday. But having said that, going forward, you know, what does their um, hydrogen sector look like? And, you know, what are the um, short term decisions that can be made in order for you to have a, a better long term um, recovery factor in there as well? Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a difficult decision. It's, it's one that shouldn't be taken lightly, but it's one that should be taken with, um, you know, information sharing as well. And that's what these forums are really good for. So that we're able to share, um, you know, our lessons learned um, and, you know, how, how, how does the future of, of hydrogen or uh, decarbonizing sector look like? So we're going to have to wrap up uh, shortly. I, I want to just um, check with you. What are, <laughs> I always tend to think towards more towards export-sized markets, etc. Um, and you're reorienting the way I'm thinking about it now slightly because my, my, my prior thought was that the prerequisite for this has to be uh, access to low-cost methane and lots of it. And so if you'd asked me before this podcast, where might this technology turn up, I wouldn't have said, uh, you know, an importing nation like Japan. Now, have I got that wrong? Is this therefore actually a very usable way for people who are importing bio LNG, regasifying it to take that and actually get it down to a lower, well, actually no, yeah, to get it down to a zero carbon gas rather than trying to do voluntary carbon offsets, for example. Is this a practical yeah, it's, tool? I mean, for before that? we even get to you know hydrogen export, we need to be able to produce low carbon, low hydrogen, you know, in volumes, um, and the sector isn't there yet. There is no, I'm seeing very little being demonstrated in terms of the price of hydrogen for export quality. Obviously, just like the LNG industry, it took about 10 years to build the infrastructure mm. behind it. So I totally understand the infrastructure being built up right now. But in order for it to be you know, used as an export quality, we really need to understand what the cost is. And coming back to LNG, when the whole domestic market around CSG was formed to try and get uh, better you know, capitalizing on the value of what that price of methane was. So I think we should take that lesson learned from that sector as well and understand, okay, domestically, if we are to use hydrogen for direct applications, yep. mobility, you know, what have you, um, what is that price looking like? Um, and, you know, how economic is it in terms of vis-a-vis for investment? And that's where CapEx, you know, plays a huge part to it too. Um, yes. you, know, you, know, what, what, you know, what is your period? What's your payback period? You know, um, and th- those are the decisions that need to be made by, you know, by the board of yep. companies. So you're actually scheduled to go public next month. We uh, are. We are. It's an extremely, extremely um, exciting and interesting time for us. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've, we've already been, uh, we've gone through the, the checks and the compliances with ASX, mm. and now we have a listing date. So it's an extremely um, exciting time for Synergy Net. Good stuff. Especially for the growth going forward. Well, what are you aiming to use the funds for without giving too much away? <laughs> well, it, in essence, it's developing our applications at scale. So now we, you know, once we've, um, you know, understood what uh, the, our partners' the requirements are, now it's about time to produce this at scale. Fantastic. So that's, that's what the application is going to use for. The technology is there, and you know, we've been refining it over the years. Um, so now we just like to be able to build a company. Yep. Mm. Well, look, 
really appreciate you coming in. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk as ever. Um, Likewise, Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, absolute pleasure. Um, Argus Hydrogen and Future Fuels will return. <laughs>